Hello everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Real Early. I'm your host Larry Sternshine, and in today's episode I chat with Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. While her and I very much run in the same circles, we had never really interacted much before. Since I found out we were going to be booked together for an upcoming podcast appearance, I knew I had to get her on my show, and I'm glad I did. I really had a fun time getting to learn more about Carmelita. While we had vastly different experiences growing up, we discovered that we shared a lot in common with how we grew up with movies. We also talk about how the younger generation will view films, assuming they still exist in the future, our physical media collection, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. Without further wait, my conversation with Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. Carmelita, hi. How are you doing? Hi, Larry. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. It is Monday as we're recording this, and it's been one of those Mondays. Indeed, so we'll... it has here too. <laughs> so we'll 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 see how this this goes. This will be fine. I'll I'll you'll do all the work, and I just sit here and ask questions. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on my show, besides you know you just knowing a lot about movies and whatnot, is we're gonna be on a podcast together. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I, I see you on my timeline, but I don't actually know anything about you. So I thought, what a great time. Get you on the show. I'll learn about you. You'll learn about me. And then by the time that other podcast rolls around, we'll be like best friends. Yeah, so, no, I'm excited that we have <laughs> a future collaboration. And I'm so thankful to you for inviting me on because I love talking movies. love talking movies with old friends and new friends. So thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Glad you uh, said yes. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do some research. And I, I was like, <laughs> you, you don't have a, your own podcast. Is that right? I don't know how, how everyone has their own podcast. What's going on? Here? I know. No. And we've talked about this. You and I have a lot of mutual, mutual podcasting friends. Yes. And everyone asks me, Carmelita, why don't we have your own podcast? You should have your own podcast. And maybe one of these days I will. But here's the thing, though. Being the perpetual guest is so fun and I get to do all the fun stuff, the easy part. I watch movies, I take a few notes, and then I just talk to my friends. They do all the editing, they deal with the web hosting, they deal with all the technical issues. I just waltz in and chit chat and then I'm done. So I'm I'm being kind of lazy you 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 don't want to to, uh (laughs) set up like a zoom account and get audacity and do all the fun (laughs) editing stuff that i still haven't figured out fully i'm pretty sure every episode has a different volume level sure i mean it's hey i salute independent podcasters i know how much work goes into what you do so dear listeners please know your podcast hosts blood, sweat, and tears, and they're not getting paid. If anything, they're losing money <laughs> paying for web hosting. I lose, I, I lose $15 <laughs> a month or whatever this yeah. account yeah. is. But, you know, <laughs> there are people that go out every Friday, Saturday night. They spend $100 drinking. Absolutely. And, and you know, what do you get out of that? You know, not very much. Yeah. No, it's a labor of love. Everyone that I know that is a podcast host does it because they love it? Does it because they enjoy talking to people and talking movies? And they're doing it because they want to. But I I know just from talking to people about what goes on behind the scenes that it's it's a lot of work. It's 
a lot of work. So one of these days I will take the plunge, <laughs> but I'm enjoying my life of leisure in the podcasting or, or you, world. You find like a, a partner <laughs> and you do that, you do a show with that person and right. they do all the editing and you just reap all the benefits. Oh, see, I'm one of those people <laughs> though. When I go to do it, when I finally do, I'll want to like learn how to edit meticulously and all that shit. So I, for me, I, I decided that I was going to do very minimal editing because I, I knew people that were like, for example, I just said like, and they would get rid of all the likes and the ums. And I'm like, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Too much. If, if, Too much. You know, occasionally I, I've edited some episodes just because it may have gotten a little bit too heavy on the subject matter. Sure. But, but I, I try to keep things, you know, uh, true to what the actual episode was. So I've had some really great episodes from people who have just been like, man, I've never said that out loud before. I was like, I, that's amazing. I don't yeah, understand why my show, but thanks. Well, uh, and but- if it's if it's a conversational style and it's just two people having an engaging conversation, less editing for you and a person gets really comfortable and starts opening up about stuff. That's awesome. The other thing that I noticed, which was kind of fun is like, we really run in the same circles. Like you were on podcasts of people that I'm like, that don't aren't necessarily like in the circle of other podcasts. And you're just on that one. And I know that person somehow. And I was like, Oh, this is actually kind of interesting that uh, we never really interacted much online yet we know so many of the same people it's yeah the world is small when the internet's involved isn't it most definitely this is very true so when you were first being a guest do you remember your first show that you were on I do it was the one headlight podcast hosted by Drew and I think we we had met through Twitter and we were like kind of in the orbit of the Dana Buckler show. And yeah, Drew asked me to come on and talk about, I believe the very first one we talked about 90s movies. It's not a Wallflowers podcast? No, it's not. (laughs) It was was every episode was something (laughs) 90s centric. 90s films, 90s music, 90s sports. Yeah, so that was the first. I also... I got an invite not too long after that from Dana Buckler of the Dana Buckler show to be on the 20th century movie club. Part of that series did a couple of episodes of that. And then I think this was 2019, a few months later, Daniel of cobwebs when they were still just a Gothic horror podcast before he expanded to all classic cinema invited me to come on and do an episode around, I think it it must've been around Halloween time, but I can't recall just off the top of my head and film alchemist, Josh Griffey of film alchemist invited me around the same time. And then from there, it was like, I would just start getting these invites from people and people would ask me to come back, which I thought was incredible. And it's just been, it's been a really good time getting to know people, talk to different people, watch, watch movies. And then talk about them. Two of my I, favorite things. I, I feel like Dana Buckler was is like the 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 trunk of the tree of my podcast uh, family tree. I guess it just feels like yeah. 
you know, he's been like, at this yeah. for so long. Yeah. yeah. Know, I, brings a lot I, of people together. He's, he's somebody I've never really interacted with either, but I, somebody that I completely respect for, you know, he really is one of those people that kind of set the tone for a lot of the stuff that we do as podcasters. So much respect to him and everyone else that has a podcast. Like, uh, I mean, the fact that I've getting close to 30 episodes is pretty amazing. And I've only had a few returning guests, which is also surprising. Like, oh, I guess I know a little bit more people than I thought I do. Yeah. But, you know, it's getting to the point now where it's like, I got to start interacting with more people. So they <laughs> know my shows here. But that's, that's okay. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I think uh, promoting is is the hardest part of this because there's you know it's there's a lot of noise out there and how do you cut through all that stuff but i i have so many great friends that just highlight my show that you know even if it's not you know making tons of listens i mean the fact that anyone listens and they enjoy it is is amazing so it is and i think it's it's really cool how supportive and just how open a lot of folks are at least the ones that i've been fortunate enough to to get to know in film podcasting encouraging folks to start their own podcast promoting each other's podcasts sharing on social media word of mouth uh sharing guests a guest will be on one podcast and there's no possessiveness like oh you can't have that person on your show because they were just on my show it's it's very open and welcoming which i think is awesome we need more Indeed. of that in the world yeah for sure and for for me too it's funny when you mentioned how you like being a guest i i was like you know what i want to be on more shows but i'm like who i'm just a twitter guy like part of action twitter for example like like that's meaningless i'm like okay i'll start my own show and i really kind of figured out what i wanted to do and i'm like i'm really glad that i was trying to do it selfishly and now i just really like doing the show yeah so, so, sometimes you, you 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 get surprised with what works because my original idea was gonna fail immediately and mm. somehow this is working out pretty good so no it's a it's been it's been fun listening to real early and hearing people's journey into becoming film lovers and enthusiasts and so, you know the cool thing too okay. is like okay so you do that for a while if you want to tweak the format and do something a little different you can because it's your podcast and you can do whatever the hell you want I, I have, like, if people have noticed, I'm starting to do more movie-specific ones. Uh, so if somebody wants to come back, they can come back. We can, But, like, the whole – I'm trying to do, like, whole stuff that, like, they grew up on, you know? So it's, like, I don't want to talk about, like, man, I really liked this movie that came out last year. That's – unless you were, you know, six years old last year. I want to know about <laughs> other stuff. So that's that's been fun. Like, the I've had episodes on Airborne I just did. Um, breakfast club mm, uh, yeah action movies that were were big like under um rapid fire and whatnot so i'm curious to see if what other movies will do and i'm the thing i'm most excited about is seeing a movie that i had never saw as a kid watching that now and then talking to them about how they watched as a kid and then mm. an adult and we haven't seen it just only as an adult i think that might be kind of fun but we'll, it we'll is see fun i i've had that experience a couple of times where a host asked me a movie I wanted to watch and 
it, I picked one that was, you know, a lifelong favorite, something meaningful to me that they had never seen. And it is really cool to talk to a first time viewer when you've seen something a gazillion times and you know it by heart to get that perspective and live vicariously through someone seeing it for the first time. I really enjoy that. My other favorite thing quickly is when I'm on Lindsay's show, Schlock and Awe, and we do the trailer thing and she'll yeah. be like, I'm doing this movie, this trailer. I'm like, I've never seen it. And I'm like, yeah, I have a list of like, okay, I got to watch that. You know? So yeah. Schlock and Awe doing out. those trailers is yeah. fun. Uh, cult movies doing the pairings at the end is another yeah. great opportunity to get those recommendations. So lots, lots of good stuff out there. So everybody check out shows that uh, we've all done because they're all good. Agreed. <laughs> All right. So speaking of shows and whatnot and finding out about people's histories, let's 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 have let's let me find out about your 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 thing here. Let's let's kind of go back. Where sure. did you grow up? I grew up in Salinas, California. It's a smaller city. It's on the central coast. It's about 45 minutes south of San Jose, about two hours south of San Francisco. Why does the name sound familiar? John Steinbeck. Okay. He's from John Steinbeck was a Salinas native, and a lot of the books he wrote are set in the Salinas Valley or in neighboring Monterey. I I think it's actually I just it sounds like San Dimas. And somehow (laughs) you went to high school with Bill and Ted. That's what I'm thinking for some reason. Yeah, no, nothing like that. Yeah, Salinas too had a a big reputation, used to make the news a lot for how violent it was. Oh, well, you were like in a gang, right? Like you were totally stabbing people. All those stories were about you, weren't they? I wasn't, but I was associated with people that did. Yeah, I mean, it's probably hard not to get involved, especially in something like that. Yeah. Um, But what what was it like uh, for you growing up? Uh, like, was being movies something that was a big part of the household growing up? Yes. Yeah i I started watching movies and and grown people movies like rated R movies really young, uh, really see, young. Uh, what what um what time period <laughs> were you growing up? I was a kid in the 80s. I was a kid in the 80s, teen in the 90s. Because there's something about the 80s that we were just able to watch R-rated movies. And now I feel like a lot of parents are like, got to wait till they're old enough. I'm like, I was like six watching Nightmare (laughs) on Elm Street. Right. And it's probably for the best that parenting standards around what movies are appropriate has changed. That's probably for the best. But I, I always tell parent friends, like, don't ask me what's appropriate to show your child because I have no sense of that because me I either. grew up watching anything and everything. Yeah. Like if somebody would have said, hey, is uh, this movie appropriate? I've been like, oh, yeah, I saw that when I was like four. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's like, you know, some like it's like <laughs> RoboCop. I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure. I watched RoboCop at a friend's house on their birthday when we were like 10 or 11. But, um, you know, maybe they should be a little bit older. I don't know. I saw it in the movie theater. I was seven. Oh, that's amazing. See? Yeah. Who did you see it with? <laughs> my dad. So so here's the thing. My dad, working class guy, works very hard six, seven days a week. Even now, he's 
retirement age passed him by a few years ago. He's still working. He might retire later this year. We'll see if he sticks to it. But to this day, he's working six, seven days a week. And so when my father gets home, he wants to sit in his recliner and watch television or movies. That's his hobby. If he's not working, he's watching television or movies. And when I was a kid, like if he did get a day off or if he did get off work early, the family outing was either to the video store to rent videos or to the movie theater. Like that's the kind of stuff we did as a family because my dad didn't have a lot of extra time. My mom was really busy trying to keep the house together and raise three kids. So movies was our pastime. We had a VCR player. We got that in 1984. Uh, we always, my dad always sprang for cable. He was one of the early adopters for cable. As soon as that was available, he wanted cable. We had HBO because that was like his thing. That was the, the, the one entertainment, the one joy he got <laughs> when he wasn't at work. And so, yeah, and we, I mean, we watched whatever my dad watched. So, one of my earliest memories is watching Halloween. That was my first horror movie. And I remember that vividly. What I don't remember that my mom had to tell me later was that year I was too scared to go trick-or-treating. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I had watched my dad had let me watch yeah. Halloween and I was too scared sure. to go trick-or-treating. Um, I remember watching The Godfather for the first time. I was about four. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that movie made total sense to you at four years old. <laughs> I just, I remember that really vividly sitting there and watching Sonny get gunned down on the causeway. And just like my mind was blown. My little young impressionable <laughs> mind. I remember seeing Alien around the same time. Oh, that, that had to have been real scary. <laughs> the chest burster? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the first time I saw saw Alien, but I think I was had seen so many horror movies by that point that sure. it didn't affect me as it probably should have, you know. But man, at like that age, I've yeah. would been like, I'm not eating anything ever again. <laughs> I was a precocious kid, and I wanted to do whatever the grownups were doing, and and so yeah, like I would watch that stuff. I would watch whatever they were watching, and then I really. I, I took an interest in it. And, and so as a kid, like then there were some movies that I would seek out that maybe my dad wasn't into like teen movies, all the John Hughes stuff. Um, yeah. Like movies were ever present. I, I used to, you know, it was like, we were either watching one of the channels with movies or MTV with music. Like that was, the TV was on. That's the kind of stuff we were watching. I grew up in a suburb of sh sh Chicago and in, mm. in Deerfield, which was um, pretty much where John Hughes movies were were done. Right. And it was a you know, in a, I mean, we're like an affluent neighborhood and whatnot. And you know, it's it it's funny to find out how similar a lot of our our upbringing was, regardless of the the town or the city where we're growing up in being like a movie person and and being lucky enough to have like cable you know and a, and, a, and a vcr and a and a video store that you know that kind of could bring everybody together because you know you could 
you're seeing you're basically seeing the same movie at the same time like if you're watching hbo yes. and i'm watching hbo at the same time it's different now because there's people aren't watching hbo's and the it's more streaming you know so it's a lot more interesting how people get in movies now versus when we were in the 80s it was you know we had nothing to do so we put on the tv and there was always yeah. something to, so always something on there were limitations there were only so many channels there were only so many movies playing at the theater at one time although they ran longer so you had a, they, a longer window of time <laughs> to go and see something the, if you ever look at the like the block the box office of early of like the 80s there's movies that were like in the top 10 for like six months yeah and now, yeah, now it's like forever. six six days and they're on streaming services it's i know <laughs> it's uh <laughs> totally different now um, yeah we had we had those limitations but it yeah that also meant that everyone was having a parallel experience watching similar things because there was only so many things to watch and so many ways to access it and now there's so much on streaming platforms and the movies cycle through the theater so quickly and yeah it's it's a very different experience i'm curious to see like here on out with the younger generation what their experience will be like it's going to be very different from ours Oh, for sure. And, and that's something that I've kind of asked a lot of my guests about, too, just because like early on when I was doing the show, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to also talk about like how people in the future are going to watch movies and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I can't even I can't even think about how it's going to be, you know, because like um, like a movie will come out now and they'll be like it's a hit, but it like didn't make it didn't feel like it made a whole lot of money or anything like that. And I'm like, who's even discovering these things and how they be become like the generational films that we grew mm. up on? And I think, you know, there's issues with like YouTube and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. But my guess is movies will be around. I mean, they're always going to be there. It just might be different. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe the way that we experience them, the way we access them might change. But I want to believe that movies aren't going anywhere. It'll always be with us in some form or fashion. I would be heartbroken <laughs> if, if it weren't, you know? I think that's so. why I, I think I was just always worried that like a thing that I loved might just eventually go away. But, you know, that's that it happens. Like think of all the entertainment in the past that are just yeah. Not- cool anymore i guess shout out to matt bledsoe he and i have talked about this on film feast before i have this anxiety around movies disappearing like films that were released on vhs or maybe even dvd that are out of print have never been re-released aren't available to stream anywhere the idea that a movie could just disappear off the face of the earth and no one could watch it unless they happen to have a copy. And then what happens when those copies wear out or get damaged or lost like that? It keeps me up at night. It, I get the sweats like it really freaks me out. I don't like it. Yeah, it that's uh, I mean, if think of all the movies that have been made in the first 30 years of movies existing. There's a ton of that stuff that like it's just just. It's gone. Um, and it's like now at least we do have um boutique labels and piracy and all these things that will kind of keep things going 
as long as they're available. If it's not available, though, uh, that's it. It's gone. <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I can't stand it. I, I start. I, I start trolling be. eBay looking for copies of something, <laughs> just because uh, I I need to try to get a hold of it. Because I I just I can't. I just can't. <laughs> it freaks well, me out. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about a happy memory, though. Uh, do yeah. you remember the video store that you would go to? Do you remember the name of it at all? You know, I don't remember the name of the closest one because there's there was one in this shopping center. It was in the same shopping center as the Alpha Beta supermarket and the pizza parlor, Mountain Mike's that we would go to. And there was a video store there. And I can't for the life of me remember what it was called, but it was like a little mom and pop shop. And do, so we do you would go there. What it looks like? Like, do you have a memory of what it looks like? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about it was it. very simple. It was very simple. They just had those like utility shelves up, and you know they had like the new releases in the front, and then all the rows, and then towards the back. I can't remember if they had the curtain or the saloon doors for you know the adult videos, <laughs> the off limit videos. Yeah, we used to go there a lot. And then moving into the 90s, some of the bigger chains started to come in. So then there was a block, there was a couple blockbusters in town and a Hollywood video. If we were going corporate, we would go to the blockbuster. And so we spent some time there. And then at one point we moved across town and there was another mom and pop locally run small video store there so like when I was a teenager I had tons of choices and sometimes if I wanted a movie something very specific and older something that wasn't a new release if I wanted something older and I wasn't sure which shop would have it we would call ahead to try and track it down and like if that meant going across town to the other video store then I would do it but yeah, that yeah, that I'm first sure. one I remember very fondly because like when my dad would take us and we could each pick out a video and yeah, it was good. I'm trying to like I've had a very different video stores and stuff that I would go to, and there's one in particular that I would go to all the time back in the late '80s, mostly probably early '90s. It's, it's still driving me nuts. I can't remember it. I've actually Googled it. I keep trying to find it, but it was one I always remember because uh, that's where I would, you know, I would ride my bike and I would go and just like rent, you know, like whatever, like scary movie or whatever it is that I wanted to watch. And they also had a lot of wrestling tapes because I'm oh, really big into wrestling yeah. and I would get, you know, all these WWF tapes and stuff. And I watched those. And it was great. And uh, I really kind of miss the feeling of going into a like a smaller chain video store because they wouldn't always, they would sometimes have some stuff that you wouldn't find in like a blockbuster or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was unique. Yeah. And yeah, I used to love like just going through the aisles and we had no internet <laughs> access. We had no smartphones. So you, you're just looking at the box and you're making a decision based on the box art, whatever little blurb, or description is on the back, who's in it. Uh, as I got a little older, who directed it. But we, I would pick stuff up all the time that, like, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what this is. Well, let's try it and find out. Uh, did you, uh, were, or 
were you allowed to rent R-rated movies on your own? Or did you have to have your parents or did they they sign a waiver saying you can rent whatever you want? Because this one, I, I that's a great question. I mean, when I was like a kid, kid, like a little kid, my, you know, my dad would rent them, and yeah, we, we could pick out whatever. And then as a teenager. Yeah, like I don't remember anyone ever carding me. Really? No. <laughs> I uh there was there was a West Coast video was a place I would go to when I was staying over at my grandparents' house. You know, I would go to the West Coast video, I'd rent some movies because you know they're they're my grandparents, they go to bed eventually, or they have their own thing they're doing. And right. I just remember my 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 mom was like signed the waiver to let me rent R-rated movies. I don't my my mom was really cool in the sense that she didn't really pay attention to anything I was watching as long as I wasn't doing anything bad, you know, in real life. I yeah. can watch pretty much anything, you know, but it was it was cool having that sort of autonomy to be able to watch like uh, whatever movie I wanted. And that's how I was able to kind of curate and discover the genre stuff that I really liked. You know, so that that is something that uh, you don't really get as much today. Like, you know, you you <laughs> discovering the what kind of movies you like is a lot harder now than it was back mm. then. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's interesting uh, to think about it. I yeah. I have um I have some friends and and they have a teenager and we <laughs> we started in the last few years like I would come over for movie nights with their family and and their teenager was taking an interest in horror films so we started introducing them horror films and like teen films from the 80s and so that was really fun to get to share that with them and watch them start to take an interest how did they uh like how do they uh respond to some of that stuff some of that early like 80s teen stuff do they relate to that stuff still i mean so what did we watch we watched heathers they loved it i don't know if they related to it but they really enjoyed it. They thought it was hilarious. They thought that Christian Slater was so hot, which of course he was. Oh yeah. Still is, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) He he has aged very well. He has aged very well. Uh, Yeah, what else did we, oh, we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, and they had fun with that, even though they thought it was kind of cheesy, like they were laughing and they enjoyed themselves. Yeah, we've watched some cool stuff. Oh, introduce them to Carrie. Oh, yeah. And they fell in love with it, which oh, made my heart good. so happy because I saw that for Carrie's the first time a few years ago. Yeah. Not. Like, I didn't see it when I was younger. What'd you think? It's it's an awesome movie. And I feel like that's one where, like, like kids experience that kind of high school trauma now. Yeah. <laughs> like very, yeah. The hairstyles are different. The clothes is different. There's maybe no telekinesis. Right. Teachers slapping kids on the face. Probably don't get away with that now. No. But yes, a lot of those anxieties and like the social pressures, all of that stuff still tracks. Yeah. And they're still, I mean, they're still making team movies. Like there's new ones, a new one coming out soon called mm. Bottoms. And the, the funniest thing about that, I watched the trailer and I was like, man, I don't, this doesn't seem all that funny to me. And I bet you if I watch the whole movie in context, it'll be really funny. 
And then all these other people much younger than me were like hooting and hollering and thought I was like, man, this movie's gonna be so funny. And I was like, you know, I'm glad well, I gotta tell you this stuff. I teen movies were a big part of my growing up as a little kid, as a teenager. The older I get, I I love to revisit the teen movies that I saw as a young kid and as a, a younger teenager. Contemporary modern day teen movies, I just don't get it. I'm just too old. I can't, I don't know. Oh, it just, I bad. can't connect with it anymore. <laughs> when I watch a John Hughes movie, when I watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High, when I watch Heather's, when I watch those Valley Girl, oh my God, Valley Girl. When I watch those movies, I'm like transported. It's it's like I get to get in this time machine and go back to the way it felt to be that young again. And I, I'm just not able to do that in the same way with new teen films coming out now. Even, even stuff that centers around people in their 20s. Like I, I don't know, maybe a few months ago, I watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Okay. That A24 movie. Yeah. And it's all, you know, young 20 somethings. <laughs> the whole time I was just, I was watching it and I just kept thinking over and over again, man, I'm old. I I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I, don't know I, what's I, I know, I know how you feel. I saw, I went and saw in the theaters because uh, I got the A-list so I could do pretty much whatever I um, before the A-list, I was like, I had to pick and choose. Now it's just like, okay, I, if I'm on the fence or I want to try to put myself out there, I'll go see whatever. And they were advertising this one as A24's first slasher movie. Mm. And it's not a slasher movie at all. It's more of a dark satire, like very bad. Thing. Right. So I was like, oh, is there like a kill around here? And I'm like, okay, no, it's, it's more of, they're just like dumb and they keep doing dumb things and people keep dying in dumb ways <laughs> especially the ending i don't want to spoil the ending for anybody but the ending is amazing no. i thought i love the ending and but it was one of those movies where i was like okay this is not for me but they didn't no. make it for me and if somebody got something out of this then i think that's amazing because when i when we were kids let's be honest not every parent was gonna watch the the breakfast club and been this like is true. oh this is transcendent they'd be like this is stupid no, my so parents had no interest in that. I watched those on my own. My parents yeah. didn't care about that. So it, it it makes sense that us old people would be like, I don't know about some of this stuff. Right. You know, and yeah, you're right. It's not for me. And I hope that the odd the target audience enjoyed it. But there are some good like I really like Book Smart. I thought that one was really good. I didn't you see it. You, you haven't seen Booksmart? Uh-uh. Okay, so if you're going to watch any team movie, watch Booksmart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because what I like about that one, it was very similar to a lot, what I like a lot about the team movies we watched was there's a lot of good jokes and stuff, but it's also mm. very, it could be very uh, drama-focused at times and be, like, dealing with what, like, they're dealing with as a normal high school person. Because sometimes I'll, I'll see a lot of, like, high school movies, and it's just, like... Even some when we were kids or just like I liked the drama stuff and some of it was just like mm. not so much like porkies or you know stuff sure. like Sure. Yeah, it was more sex comedy, outlandish, I, I mean, kind of rapey. Yeah, exactly. Run to the nerds. Yes. That has <laughs> you, not aged well. We no, watched those growing part. up. 
the, the, I think I feel like the sequel is a little bit kind kinder. Bunch of the Nerds Two, which I saw mm. in the theater on a on a swim trip. I was in a swim club. <laughs> swim club. We we're like somewhere downstate, and uh, our parents took us to Revenge of the Nerds too. And to this day, I'll never forget that experience because I was young, <laughs> and it, like it's very it's very tame, I think, compared to the first one. So I was like, oh, this is like silly, silly fun. You know, there's a guy burping and stuff and picking his nose. Yeah. You know, cat. Booger. What if cat uh, spelled dog? Like that line is. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a really long time. <laughs> I, oh man, I'm the only podcast in a long time that's probably brought up Revenge of the Nerds too. Nerds, probably. In fact, you know what? Now I'm going to do a Nerds in Paradise podcast. Talk about a minute of the film <laughs> for the entire runtime. <laughs> that uh, would be an adventure for sure. Uh, so okay, to go back in time here. So mm-hmm. you're really into movies. Your 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 dad. Loves movies. How did you want to get into cinema at all? Was that something that you wanted to do? You mean in what capacity? Like make them or oh yeah. I did. I did. Okay. I had dreams. This is the this is the one of those points of the show where I mentioned (laughs) earlier, but I don't know much about you. You're gonna be like yeah, you know, I ran a studio for four years. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. No, I, um, yeah, I, yeah, I had aspirations. I think when I was really little, you know, like when you're a little, little kid and like the, the sky's the limit and you have all those kind of silly dreams. I remember thinking I wanted to be an actor. And then I think when I was late teens, I thought I might like to get into screenwriting or directing. I did a little research into film school. I didn't end up going that route, but I I toyed with the idea. There's, I don't, I think some of that was, I, I think so highly of the art form. I think it's a little daunting, like, like, I don't know that I could ever make that movie magic myself. I have such an appreciation for it. I love watching films, all types of films and classics and new stuff and artsy stuff and experimental stuff. I love all of it. And I kind of love just how elusive it is. And I think part of me felt drawn to it would be so cool to be a part of that world and to create things. And then another part of me thought, God, I don't. It's like when something is when you do something just out of just the sheer joy of doing it. It's a little different than when you're actually trying to make a living doing something. Yeah, and I think I, I was always a little scared of that. I think, too, I know as far as going to school, when I started really thinking about, do I want to go to film school? I had the thought like, okay, let's say you complete film school and you want to get into film. You're going to have to move to LA most likely. And by that point in my life, I was thinking, I don't want to live in LA. (laughs) 
I don't I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm ready to make that sacrifice. Yeah, I don't blame yourself at that time. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of one of those those like beautiful little daydreams. I think that's one of the things that's really is really cool about podcasters and YouTubers and you know, independent websites where people are blogging and writing articles where folks get to feel a part of the discussion and contribute and share their love and their knowledge and and not necessarily have to be in the film industry to do that. And I think that's, I think that's beautiful. I could, I understand what you're saying. Um, because when I went to, it was a little different for me. Like I went to college as like doing, I don't know. I probably should have went to college. I probably should have <laughs> just like done like a uh, local, you know, like the, the local college thing. Work uh-huh. or whatever. But I went to school to be like a, like a phys ed teacher. And then uh, I was like not doing very well because I have to like learn like uh, the body stuff and all that kind of thing. Mm, yeah, all the anatomy. So, so I went into video art, which <laughs> is like not video art, but uh, communications with a minor in film studies. Because I don't know what I was going to do with film studies minor, but I'm in school and that they offer it, and my parents are paying. Sorry, parents. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I took so I took these video art classes because they were required, and. Uh, you had to like do videos and stuff and I was real bad at it and uh I wasn't ready to to make anything even like a video art thing like I just didn't know what to do like I didn't have those ex- the experiences and I wasn't like I, if I were to go back in time now I have like a million ideas I could have done but that would involve having to like ask people for help for like the acting and stuff like that it just was right. too much I was like this, this isn't for me and then a lot of the two was a lot of it was like TV focus, like you're working with the news story. So it was a lot of news things we would do. And sure. It was like, okay, this is, this is not for me. I'll just like movies, you know? And then, yeah. uh, but uh, here, here I am now. It's like, okay, now I could, now I feel like I'm using my film studies. <laughs> my yeah. You're putting it stuff, to use, you know, I mean, I, for fun, not for, for gain or anything. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where like I like I've had people on my show that that are in the business and they just like knew they were gonna they wanted to be a working person in it and they had skills and they learned it and they really focused on it. And I, I envy those people that found something that they were passionate about that they actually could do and, and they do it very well now. Whereas like it took me like 30 years of my life before I kind of finally figured out something I'm good at is not even related to movies or anything. It's just a job I have now. Kind of right. Stuff. I'm like, and I was like, man, I wish I would have like done these kind of the job I'm now sooner because then I would have, you know, probably been a little higher sure. up. Sure. But I'll, I'll never forget my time though, learning film. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of incredible this expectation for people between the ages of 18 and 21 
to take classes, pick a major and like make those decisions. I, when you really think about it, yeah, that's kind of crazy. And then when you think about what it costs to get a college education, which it's, it's even worse now than when I was, yeah, was in college. I, I like, no, I'm in debt right now because I decided to go back to school to do something I'm wholly unqualified for. I've I, been so oh dumb. man. I yeah, I go back and forth. Should <laughs> I go back and get another degree? And I I paid off my student loans and I awesome. I just can't, I don't feel like I could justify going back. Now, okay, so you went to school for something completely different. I did Obviously, politics. Politics? Okay. So yeah. what what was your goal there? I, I have to find out. What was your goal in politics? There wasn't one. Okay, so okay, so here's okay. I want to know. (laughs) So here's a little background. Here's a little background. This will give you like thought into my mind. So I was a very troubled teenager. Drink, drugs, sex, people that were bad news. Like I, I was in a downward spiral as a teenager. I landed in rehab my junior year of high school. And so when I got out, it was just a miracle that I graduated high school because I had spent those first three years of, of, of high school drunk and ditching class and just perpetually in trouble. So I graduated from high school and like, it was a miracle. I was alive. I had no ambition. I had never given any thought to the future because the way I had been living, I had no future. So suddenly I was, you know, out of high school and newly sober and I had no clue what to do. And, you know, my parents working class background, immigrant backgrounds, they had not been to college. Like all of that was completely foreign. And I think I was 19. I started doing community college classes to just kind of try to stay on my parents' insurance and (laughs) figure out, you know, and I love to learn. And by that point, now that I was, I was clean, I wasn't drunk and high all the time. Like I could actually apply myself and I enjoyed learning. And then I did that for a couple of years. And then it was like, okay, well I'll go to school. I think I'll transfer and get like a bachelor's degree. And I had talked to a lot of other adults that I was not related to people who had had all these life experiences. And one thing I kept hearing was that the ones that had gone to college had majored in one thing and all of them ended up doing something completely different. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that tracks. <laughs> right. So I decided I would study politics because I was, I was very politically minded at the time and I was very angry. <laughs> so I figured what were you angry about? Was it related to I was angry about growing up? Not to get real real (laughs) deep. When you were you when you were angry, uh huh. Did you were you angry while you were um when you were like uh doing the drinking and the drugs and stuff like that? Were you angry then or did that anger bear out of becoming sober? I you know, the anger shifted. Okay. I think 
the anger that I was and the angst and all the tumultuous emotions that I was drinking and doing drugs to escape was a lot of like, you know, personal stuff and like family stuff. And then as I got sober, my head cleared up and then I started really looking at the world around me again. And, and I was very pissed off. <laughs> what, what, and, you know, what, what, I was listening like angry anarcho punk rock. And like, I was mad. Was it uh, late nineties, early 2000s? Yeah. Late nineties. Late okay. Yeah. Mid to late nineties. Uh, gotcha. So yeah. So I, yeah, I was really pissed off. And, and so I, I decided to get a degree in politics because this was all the kind of stuff I was reading for fun. All this political theory. And especially political economy, I was really angry about capitalism. Still am, as a matter sure, of fact. Sure. And so <laughs> I was reading all that stuff for fun. So I said, okay, well, why don't I just get a degree doing this thing I'm already doing? So that's basically what I did, knowing full well I had no interest in getting into politics as a profession. Okay, so you didn't want to be like a senator or something? Or... No, 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 no. It was kind of hilarious. Some friends of mine in the town where I went to college, Santa Cruz, I went to UC Santa Cruz. Uh, some of my my friends who were older than me, they weren't in college, <laughs> were like, you should run for city council. And I was like, no. And they actually made bumper stickers. Now, I oh. never ran for city council, but there was a time when you could go around Santa Cruz and you would see Carmelita for city council bumper stickers all over Santa Cruz. Oh, that's fun. For the campaign that never was. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it would have done really well, actually. Oh god, I would have been miserable. maybe who, who knows? Yeah, no, it's it's gotta be tough uh to get to get into that because you have to be a certain type of person and uh sometimes you gotta bend your morals too to kind of get what you need done and stuff. So sure. I couldn't do it. Let's be honest. I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, me neither. But on this particular time when you were, you know, you were now sober and you were angry and you were really into politics, had that does that change how you or change the kind of movies you were seeing? Were you were you watching more different kinds of movies then than you were before? Like how did that around change? that around that same time, you know, mid to late 90s, I was renting a lot of like indie movies. I was renting more foreign films for fun. Like had no, I mean, my parents didn't expose me to that stuff. So I took an interest in learning about it. And the indie films, that idea of people getting these things done outside of the studio system, like without needing all that backing and the interference of the studio, people doing it on their on a small shoestring budget, putting themselves in hawk to make their movie and get their art across. I love stuff like that. So I was taking an interest in that. I <laughs> I so I remember I remember going to see Fight Club. Okay. And and I had an interest in anti-capitalist politics and ideology and was at that time by that time I think my family we got our first computer in 1997. And I very quickly went looking for all the websites. So I might have ended up on a list somewhere. Some of the sites that I was <laughs> seeking out. 
<laughs> and the kind of books I was getting from the library, who knows? But anyways, and so I was aware of like political actions that were happening and protests that were being planned. And I, I remember going to see Fight Club and being really energized by the message around socioeconomic inequality and, you know, the corruption of corporate America and all that shit. And, and saying like, no, there's things happening because I had heard through the internet that they were planning a protest for uh, the WTO conference in Seattle later that year. And then a couple months later it happened. And I would be like, look, see, I told you. So all of that stuff was happening. And the movie also fed into that, that same energy. And then later on, it became like this bro movie. And it means something different to different people now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. I remember seeing that movie in theaters. I, You know, I was in college at the time. Was it 99 that came out? Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was just so far on my own, but that it didn't really, I was like, oh, this is a cool, interesting movie and I like it. And I've, I had it on DVD and stuff and, you know, and I, I took that movie, it's kind of out of face value and was like, okay, well, he, he won in the end, I guess, or whatever. But like, I look at it, I, I'm curious to see, I should rewatch that now and see how I feel about it. But yeah, I rewatched it about a year ago. It had been a little while and it hit differently. And I, I found that I was having trouble separating it from everything that it's come to mean culturally over time that it changed the way I looked at it. And maybe in another five years, five, 10 years, I'll watch it again and feel differently about it again. Who knows? But yeah, it feels like it doesn't quite have like it's kind of gone through like uh, different like stages. I don't yes. know where it's at now, but absolutely, you don't, don't really see. I don't hear many people talking about it as much. Probably because of the reason, like you mentioned, it's there. There are some people that have co-opted that movie that uh, I'm pretty sure neither one of us like. <laughs> put it, For put sure, it nicely. You can, you can bet on that. So how do, how's your movie? Uh, uh, how's your movie love changed? since uh being a working adult mm. that's a good question you know i i don't know that it has really i think maybe there have been times where the economics of can i afford to go to the movies every single week like there was a time in my early 20s where I was living on cigarettes and coffee and <laughs> one meal a day. And I would, you know, I would spend nine bucks every week to go to the movie theater. It was worth it to me, even if it meant that I could barely pay my rent, <laughs> my bills. And I, I think later on when I was starting to have to pay back those student loans and like really like take care of myself, trying to be better about taking care of myself. There were some years there in the probably around 2010-ish. There was some years there in the middle where I couldn't afford to go to the movie theater. So sometimes it would take me a long time to get around to watching newer movies because 
I was trying to save money and a trip to the movie theater just wasn't economically viable. I found I was, I was also, I was willing to take less risks at that time. Cause it was like, if I spend the money and then I don't like it, like that's kind of a bummer. So, so I think that has been something that I've noticed. There have been times when my, my access changed because of kind of where I was at in my life or times where I was working there for several years, about five years, I was, I was working at a, like a startup that ended up becoming a large company in San Francisco. And so work wasn't just the work day, the eight or nine hours of work, sometimes 10, but it was also three hours of commuting a day. Oh, that's a long commute. <laughs> Hour and 15 minutes each way. Okay. I mean, for a distance of about eight to 10 miles. <laughs> traffic that great, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's Bay Area traffic. So it was like there was some time there where by the time I got home from work, I was so burnt out and tired. It was hard to watch movies sometimes as much as I wanted to. And so I got very like, wanting to take less risks at that time, like got more into like just rewatching stuff I'd already seen because <laughs> it was a sure thing. And I knew I liked it. And I, my time was so limited in recent years. I've been on a kick again of like having the focus, having feeling that it's worth it to take those risks putting aside in my little budget to go to the movies when I can, like it's important to me. It brings me joy. Not unlike my father who, <laughs> who that was the thing that brought him joy. Similarly, like, no, this, yeah. Like you mentioned at the top, some people blow a couple hundred bucks at the bar on the weekend or, or have other expensive hobbies. My ex-husband rides motorcycles, you know, invests a lot of time and money in fixing up motorcycles and maintaining them. I watch movies. So I'm these days, like it's a priority for me. It brings me joy. So I'm back to watching. I have this thing. Anyone who follows me on Twitter is familiar. I like to like come up with a double feature and for anyone who sees the post, and if you're wondering, yes, I actually watched them. Whatever I posted, I watched it. I watched those two films back to back in the same evening. And I I just love it. I've, I have a lot of fun rewatching stuff, watching new stuff. And now we have some of these great curated platforms, Criterion Channel, which I think is worth the investment. If someone can come come out of pocket on that, it's worth it. You know, all of these, um, all of this access we have now. I've come around on Tubi. Tubi's the best. I hate commercials, Larry. Yeah, but you know but what? Think about this. Free. When you were a kid growing up, <laughs> you had TBS. You're watching the Beastmaster. You had the commercials. It's just, it's like a warm blanket when a, when a commercial comes on, except for when it's the same commercial. I, I don't, row, I but. don't think I'm there. The only time I've had that <laughs> feeling is when the X-Files came back, the revival seasons. I watched those live because I wanted to recreate the experience oh, nice. of watching the X-Files live. Like I did the original run. 
But when I'm watching movies, it bums me out. But yeah. I'm I'm willing yeah. to save money. I'm willing to to be, and they have such a great selection. So they, I will say the one thing is, like I was watching Mission Impossible Two on Pluto TV. Mm. Okay, and when Pluto TV first came out, they were so bad when they would place commercials. It'd be like in the middle of a line. It'd be like commercial. Like oh. I watched I watched Clue, and Clue took like eight hours because it'd be like a commercial every like five minutes, and it'd be like right in the middle of a funny scene. But I'm like I'm watching Clue. I can't change the channel. I could right. I could have got my lazy butt up and found, you know, a DVD that I had. Actually, I don't have it on DVD, but if I did or find somewhere else to do it, but I'm like, it's it's here. But it's this is it, yeah. But I do. It's 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 really dumb, but I do enjoy the feeling of hey, it's a commercial. Let me go grab something, a snack here, real quick or whatever. There it is doesn't that. Me. Doesn't bother. There me. is that. I love epics. When I was a kid, this is something we watched a lot those like historical epics, biblical epics. Love that stuff. Ben-Hur, Cleopatra, the 10 commandments. We would watch all of those. Those are long movies. And as a kid, I loved every second of it. I would sit through a three hour plus movie and enjoyed it. And, you know, when we rented them, you would have the intermission that was actually built in. Or when you, if we rented them, we'd switch the tape. You'd have the pause to switch the tape. And then you could go to the bathroom and get your snacks. If you caught them on TV, it took longer to watch, but you also got more breaks. Not for nothing. I just, when you were talking about those, those epics and they're like, I remember watching like the 10 commandments on TV, every, every Passover in our house, you know? So I remember like that long, those long movies, but I just saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, and that thing is three hours long. And it doesn't feel nearly as epic as like a Ben Ben Hur or anything like that. Like right. what's up with these long, long movies that don't feel big? What's up with that? I know. I know. This is this is one of the great mysteries that I've been pondering over the last few years. Cause it it does feel like more and more movies are a minimum of two hours most are coming in at two and a half it feels like and there's more and more there's three hour movies and they they don't have that like epic scope and it doesn't feel i don't know i don't know why i don't know what it is at the time that you and i are recording this the release of oppenheimer is imminent yeah that's a long one it's three hours. I want to see it. But you gotta you gotta remember most of that movie <laughs> is gonna take place in Los Almos in like one right. location. So it'll be interesting to see how he Right. How, I'm how curious and I, I wanna see it. And then I'm also when I go to think about okay, whoo, I gotta look at the schedule. What times are they showing this? Cause I'm committing to not just the three hours of the film. The getting to the, the cinema, getting there early so I can get my snacks. However long of the previews, because I like to sit through the previews. I don't I I don't show up late and miss the previews. Sure. And then a three hour movie and then the drive home. So that's anyway, like a whole day. Let's be honest. You're going to go see Barbie <laughs> right after like everyone else. No, <laughs> no, you're not no. Gonna do I'm not interested in that one at all. OK, that's. That's fair. 
I'm actually going to see Barbie, just Barbie on Friday, not those. Yeah. Two. People are really stoked for it. And I mean, enjoy. It's a little weird, though, that people are like, but hey, if you're excited about it, then I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> I have the things I get excited about, like yeah. when Infinity Pool came out earlier this year. Sure. I, I that was that. I was so stoked. I still haven't seen that one. It's good. Brandon Bren- really Cronenberg's good. A, he's hasn't fallen too far from the tree, has he? With the Cronenberg no. movies. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, there's definitely you can see a a through line, but they are very they are different though. He is doing his own thing, but I love it. But speaking of epic, though, I did see a no, the Napoleon trailer, and Ridley Scott looks like he's doing epic, and it looks like he's doing a lot of stuff on location. I'm excited. Too. So uh, I'm definitely gonna check that one out in theaters. So they're, I'm excited. They're still making some of those epics. It's just that feel big. They're just you know they don't. I, I, I in my head, I'm like, man, why aren't you making more 90 minute movies? You have more show times than three hour movies but then you know avatar right. makes like quadrillion dollars and you're like i guess maybe they're yeah all, i don't i don't know what it is <laughs> i i have if the story is a story that needs to be told in two and a half three hours so be it if it's a good story and that's the length of time you need to tell the story properly I'm here for it. If you have a story that you can tell it in 90 minutes, please don't tack on another half hour just because everybody else is doing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Indeed, like for sure. Some stories don't need three hours to be told. So yeah, that's well, kind of where I stand on it. Well, <laughs> Very similar to that. There's a lot of podcasts. No, yeah. I love my my everyone who does a three hour podcast. Podcast. I'm always amazed because they they always got something to say and it's never boring. But I try to not have epic lengths on my my podcasts. So because of that, I'm going to go to the last question. But okay. I've been really enjoying having this conversation with you. So I appreciate you coming. Me too. On. But uh, I have to ask this of all these people. I assume you've got at least one Blu-ray in your collection. I just want to know, how do you arrange your physical media? I'm sure you've got to have something. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, because I just moved. I moved states. I have abandoned the West Coast of the United States, and I am now a resident of St. Paul, Minnesota. (laughs) And moving and, like, boxing up your life and having everything has to like make it across six states. The movers have to get it here. And then it's going to, so I had to box everything meticulously. And most of my boxes were books and physical media, movies and music. That was the bulk of my, my boxes, my kitchen stuff fit in one box. Okay. Yeah. That, there was this definitely mountain, a movie <laughs> mountain of books, music and movies. So I have VHS still. Okay. Was that something that you, that you got from growing up still that you held on or that you had? Some of them are from day? growing up. Some of them are I things I, I started to buy as soon as I started working and making my own money. I started collecting VHS. I still buy VHS sometimes. Okay. So you have to go specialty, but yeah. Right. Uh, so 
Well, so like, okay, again, if there's like a movie that isn't, hasn't been re-released, isn't streaming. If the first copy I find or the, you know, the, what looks like the best kind of situation is VHS. I'll buy it on VHS. Do you have a laser we'll disc player? I don't know. We because never did the laser disc. I feel like you need to invest in one if you can, <laughs> because there's, there are places that have used laser discs and there are stuff on laser discs that they don't have on VHS. Right. Or, or DVD. I just should say, oh, don't tell me this, Larry. I don't, I don't need another format. I have somebody. So I only say I that have... just because I have a friend on, on, on Twitter, Al, Al Tran. Uh-huh. And he uh, was like, I got this laser disc. I'm like, man, I used to have a laser disc. I want to get that. And, but then I remember I have to flip over the discs and I don't want laser discs yeah, anymore. Yeah. Mike Scott, action for everyone. He's got laser discs. And <laughs> sure I'm always does. amazed at the ones he's got. So I have all my VHS and then I have my DVDs because at some point I did have to buy DVDs and I was... I was begrudging. I didn't want to make the switch. How come? Because I'm silly like that. I get, I don't know. I I have this tendency towards, I think maybe because I had invested so much in VHS and it was comfortable and familiar and I don't know. Anyways, I preferred the pan and scan versions, right? That's what it is. You're like, I don't, what is this black bar stuff? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was some kind of resistance to change. I'm over it now. Now I have DVD, I I have Blu-ray. So in answer to your question, currently everything I own is in boxes. Alphabetized probably. No, 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 no. Everything they're in boxes by format. When I actually have enough space, well, and two, in living in California, it's so the rent is so expensive. My apartment was so small. I only could have really just my Blu-rays and my DVDs on a shelf. Everything else was in boxes even then because there's just not enough space in those little teeny expensive apartments. I usually do kind of, I separate them out by format. And I've at times I've done it alphabetical at other times I've done it kind of thematic, like by genre or one time, not unlike the protagonist of High Fidelity. One time I kind of did it biographically. Nice. (laughs) That's amazing. So I'm flexible because really all that matters is that I be able to find what I want. You don't have to find it. I have to find it. So very true. So I'm I, I'm pretty flexible with it. I'm open favorite, to change. My favorite way to do it now is chronological order of when the mm. movie was released. Nice, I like uh, that. Especially if it's like um, like a, a filmmaker or an actor I really like. If I have their movies together, I'll do it chronological. Just because I don't know, it's it's like looking at the IMDb page. Yeah, no, I like, like that physical form. And then if it's if all the rest of the other stuff, I just throw out, throw like throw them in a different spot. But no rhyme or reason, the shuffle right. system, I call it. Well, see, now here's here's the kind of weirdo I am. I have a spreadsheet. I created a spreadsheet. It's a catalog of all of my media and what format it is. That way I can see if I have duplicates in different formats. That way I can see everything I have on a spreadsheet. They, they have like apps and websites that, that do that now. <laughs> 
I, I don't do. know the name of any, but they do have that now, which uh, right. it's, it's fun to do, but I just don't have as many videos as I used to. Cause mm. I, I was, I, if hindsight being 2020, I never would have sold any of my, my DVDs or any of my music or whatever. I would have at least done with like, like Mike Scott, for example, he's got a lot of binders mm-hmm. and he keeps the, 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 uh, the covers from right. And uh, yeah. he just doesn't have the the box. I wish I would have done that because I don't need the box. I just need, I like having the, the artwork to look at and stuff. And yeah. I would have at least done that. And I had that for a while, but then I was like, oh, I'm going to uh, copy some of these on a disc. And then I was going to get, then I was going to sell the originals. But now I'm just like, I really wish I had all, like I got rid of a bunch of Hong Kong movies on DVD oh, for no. some reason that I would, I would record on to this yeah and sell them and stuff and it's like i made some poor decisions in my life but that's okay but like i don't we live and learn we live and thing, learn the funny thing is is i glad i don't have an overwhelming amount of movies yeah so i try to create enough for things that i want to have or like try to get all the john Woo movies and stuff like that sure you know so it's but now the archive is by me, which is Vinegar Syndrome's like retail store. Yeah. And I have to not go there. That's tempting. Yeah, that's too tempting. But I, I need I, to stop signing up for the emails for all of these things because yeah. then every time there's a sale, I'm on their little newsletter and then there's a sale and then it's like, well, I could just look, right? Yeah. Wrong. I sometimes get jealous of like someone's like, oh, check out my hall. It's like this really tall thing. But I'm just like, you know what? The they uh that's what they love and they will allocate their their money on that particular thing because I'm like, how do they even afford that stuff? I'm like, well, they afford it because they're they have a budget and that's like they budget for the movie. Right. Whereas I'm a really I'm a big board game enthusiast with my wife, and so we have a ton of board games, more board games than movies that I own, you know, and that that's where we allocate our money for. So it's, I no longer feel jealous. I feel excitement for those people because that's what they wanted to do. And they bought it. Yeah, no, I'm happy for them. I still get a little jealous sometimes. No, I hear you. (laughs) That's why I like, uh, I like Daniel's, uh, Daniel Epler's YouTube page because he does really great videos showing off the stuff. I'm just like, oh, that looks cool. I'm, you know, he's got a ton of movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a kid. I mean, now I don't know how he affords it, but. (laughs) I, I mean, I still, these days I'm, you know, I need to be on a, I need to stay on a budget. Sure. So I, you know, I always kind of, I weigh, is this something that's really meaningful to me? A movie that means a lot to me that if I don't have it and it's not streaming, I would have to rent it a bunch of times. Cause I'm going to rewatch it a lot. Then it's worth the investment even with my limited resources and my limited space. Cause that's another thing. It's like, I could buy all the movies, but then if I have nowhere to put them, like that's a problem. Blind buys. I've been trying to stay away from blind buys as much as humanly possible. Just because. Just because. <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. As I, tempting as it is. I've done. It's more... hard to justify it. I've done more blind buys in the sense that I haven't seen the movie. It's a blind buy, obviously, but it is something that I've always wanted to see because it's yeah. like, a, like a Hong Kong movie that wasn't available right. uh, to get. 
so I've, I've bought some of that stuff but the funniest thing is i bought like a bunch of different boutique blu-ray discs that uh-huh. just sat in my shelf and i look at them and go oh man i own this this is so cool but like i don't sit there and watch the movie i just <laughs> look at the fact that i own it i'm like this is pretty sweet look at this box this box is awesome so i have an idea for you at one okay. point i was i did this a few years ago like early in the pandemic year what 2020 where I was finding I was spending a lot of time scrolling, looking for stuff. And I had, I went through, I think at the time it was like a week or two weeks where I would only watch movies that I had on VHS to limit myself. Like a a week or two where I only watch things I have physical, no streaming, no renting. You might be able to knock some stuff out. Yeah, probably. I also struggle with uh, motivation to do things. So I'll just lay on the couch and scroll sure. a doom scroll on Twitter <laughs> instead of actually being useful. Now, luckily I've, I'm starting to do a lot more like stuff around the house and things. Not that I wasn't before, but just trying to, you know, be more, you know, useful in the household. So I try, if I'm just laying there, I'm like, okay, I should probably just go clean stuff up, but I'm trying to do more movies again because if you look at my letterbox i've only watched surprisingly like 70 movies this year and usually by this point i would have had at least 150 it's so weird like i'm just not watching as many movies it and happens I'm, sometimes and i'm trying to rewatch some stuff because you know there's i can't in my head i i'm like i gotta watch new movies because they're new movies and eventually mm. i'm gonna die and i can't see these new movies anymore and then <laughs> oh no like, you grappling like, with your mortality there's no way to watch all the every movie ever and it's just there isn't no so i i'm i'm trying we'll we'll see what happens Maybe i know I'll, i mean we do our best but uh you know this year i've you know i i used to go to the uh 24-hour horror marathon in chicago mm. music box I'm going nice. again this year after being away for five years for moving you know so hopefully you know the second half of the year is going to be a bunch of movies. There you go. Yeah. October (laughs) is a great month. If you love horror. Yeah. To just go all out and watch horror movies all month long. Well, I have two challenges. I do a one in October and I have mine that I created for no, for uh, November. So I'm guaranteed at least 60 movies in October and November. So maybe I'll bust out some of my, physical media that i've not watched there you go <laughs> something to look forward to all right well um i think it's time to wrap up because i've feel like i've learned so much about you <laughs> and i really appreciate coming on and i look forward to the you know further shows that we're on uh so but for people who have also have learning about you for the first time how do they find out more where do they find you yeah Well, thank you again, Larry, for having me on. It was a pleasure talking with you. And folks can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. Same handle for both, at Carmelita Says. All right. Yeah, that's great because you you don't have your own podcast. I don't. Not now. Someday. Someday I'll get uh, off my ass. But uh, if you do want to check her out, uh, I easily found a bunch of stuff she did by going to Spotify and putting in your name. And a bunch of stuff like Film Alchemist podcast came up, and Film Feast, and 
cobwebs and Schlockena and a bunch of other peoples. I'm sure yeah. there's others I'm missing. And I'm telling you guys, if you haven't had her on your show, you definitely need to have her on your show. Yeah, I always always accepting invitations because I, I just enjoy it so much talking to people, especially about movies. All right. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on. Thanks to everybody for listening to the show. I, I really always appreciate it. So I hope you guys enjoy your upcoming weekend. And thanks again. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.